Uh, but we are going to do uh, a special episode uh, of Connected. Connected is a show that... Everyone that here knows what it is. That normally has Federico Vatici. Okay. But he could, not, uh, he could not make it. So we do have a very special guest, Federico's American cousin. Considering this is a mostly audio-based program, uh, we have uh, Marco Arment here with us. Marco is wearing a wig. Did you own this before the show? A few hours before the show. <laughs> you look very good, though. Yeah, Thank I, you I think for I might just keep this long. Yes. I know it's not an exact match. This is the, the pop icon wig. No, he's a pop icon. And it's the closest I could get uh, to you know Italian superstar Federico Vitici. These are, these are big shoes to fill. Especially in the hair department, where yep. usually I'm not very strong. And so this is, this really, I, I feel like maybe this is the new me. It's a good you. It's I like this really you. good. Everybody, new York likes the new Marco. Yeah. Well, uh, shall we get started? Yes. Am I going to wear this the whole time? You don't, it's up to you. <laughs> yeah, you know, brought it on. There you go. Just look. <laughs> <laughs> On a scale of one to ten, how itchy was that? <laughs> a little, yeah. A little yeah. Itchy. Uh, yeah. Maybe, maybe three or four. But it would have gotten to a ten by the end of the yeah. show. A nightmare level of itchy? Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Connected, episode 215. I'm your host, Stephen Hackett, and I am really glad to be hosting this show live from New York. This very l- special live episode is made possible by Text Expander, PayPal, and Timing. And I am joined on stage by my co-host and my co-founder of Relay FM, Mike Hurley. Hello. Thank you, New York. And we are joined by a very special guest. Federico could not make it. Uh, you know him from projects like Overcast and Under the Radar, and a show that is accidentally not on Relay FM, <laughs> Marco Armin. <laughs> <laughs> should I try to be Italian like Fettuccini or yeah. should I just be like hi that's what he says most yeah. of the time yeah. so right yeah you got it you do, got you, do you have strong feelings <laughs> <laughs> well thanks for coming everybody <laughs> I'm so sorry Federico the ghost of Federico <laughs> no. will rain down L- look at it this way he'll never miss another one after this that's true <laughs> Uh, so Marco's here. We have some fun topics and stuff to get into, but we have to start with follow-up. Follow up. <clears throat> that really actually kind of kind of hurt. So we spoke on the show uh, so, several times about how some of us are struggling with the iPhone XS and XS Max camera. They do some weird smoothing. I've never looked better, but it's, it's I'm not super happy with it, uh, with Smart HDR and some of the stuff they're doing. Uh, and it turns out that in iOS 12.1, I'm not, I don't think it's in the beta yet, I'm not sure, but so. at some point it will be. Apple is going to be toning down some of that 
that noise reduction, some of that smoothing, yep. so we all look like humans again and not plastic crash test dummies. Yeah, this came from Neil Patel. Um, it was in his iPhone 10R review. We'll talk about 10R a little bit later on. Uh, that Apple confirmed to him that it was a bug in 12.1. So there you go. It will be fixed it, it, when that comes out. And I guess it will make us all sharper again. There's a bunch of technical stuff about like where it was pulling the image from, and it just seems like basically they know it's a problem that it's going to fix it. It's interesting to me that this has been going on. People have been talking about this for a few weeks, but they've not said anything until now. I mean, Apple doesn't like being... like They would much rather talk to a single journalist and let that sort of go on its own than I think have a big, like a big statement about it. Sure, sure. Anyways, so everyone's we can be happy about that, mm-hmm. uh, I suppose. Mike, up next, your mysterious clear iPhone XR case. The curious case of the clear case. As predicted <laughs> by some of us, uh, seems to be non-existent. I, I mean, I don't know what to do about this. It was in a press release that went to some Canada, places. Canada, not a real place. And <laughs> I'm, that's the next stop on my personal tour. Nice knowing Toronto. you. I'm looking nice forward to it. Um, and... There is so the iPhone XRs you can pre-order them, but there's no cases from Apple at all. It's really weird in the store. There's some Otterbox cases and Belkin screen protectors, but that's it. So I don't know what's going on with that. I think clear case is the best idea for this phone. Um, I don't know why Apple isn't making anything. It seems a bit strange. I don't know if maybe it's going to change on that, Friday. That probably isn't intentional. Like they, they, they probably just like. They didn't get them done in time or something. Like yeah. I can't because like they make so much extra money on those attachment sales when you get when you buy the phone you get accessories with it. Yep. And everyone does that. And like, like just they make because so it's much colors doesn't mean they wouldn't make a case because they make oh, yeah. a big deal of the colors of the other phones as well, right? They're just not bright colors, but like the gold yeah. and the silver and the ever changing space gray. Like they like to, <laughs> to you know they talk about that. Well, and you know they've been here before. Like they've made colorful phones before, phones mm-hmm. that looked really great without cases before. And they know the reality is most people are going to put a case on. So if they don't have one for sale on day one, they're just going to lose that business to third parties. That's why I think there's no way this is intentional. That I'm guessing we see cases pretty soon. Yeah, at some point. Maybe the the air power team was in charge of the case. <laughs> <laughs> they figured air power will be done. We'll just yeah. move these people to the ten R case. Cases. That's, Too that's soon. what I'm going with. Yep. Uh, finally, we have some good news for you Safari users out there. I think there are probably three or four of you here. Uh, in the new Why Safari... Why are people cheering for Safari? I, don't know. <laughs> I the, like Safari. Yeah, but like to enough to cheer about it? I don't know. Like, it's like a real specific Marco love. has a Safari tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> it got a bit crazy backstage. Yeah. So the new Safari technical preview, which is like a sort of a beta fork and it'll stuff eventually makes it down to Safari for uh, us regular humans, adds a prefers color scheme uh, media query. So it will basically tell the browser the system is in dark mode. This website should load its like dark mode CSS uh, if it has it. Yep. Uh, and so... Uh, this is what we kind of wanted because if you're using dark mode in Mojave, you know the second you go out on the internet, your eyes melt from your skull. It's like when they open the Ark of the Covenant in Indiana Jones, <laughs> face comes off, which is like a medical condition I don't, I want no part of. Yep. Is that a medical? No. So, <laughs> it feels, it feels like it could yeah, be. Yeah. Uh, so that will be sort of an automatic thing. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. I'm going to be doing it on 512 because 512 is very bright. And uh, I've gotten some. Actually, had had a listener 
actually send me a CSS file saying, For you don't kind. have to do any work, just do this. Uh, so I'll be implementing that. Is that is someone who so badly wants it yeah. that they're just like, I'll give it to you. Yeah, just please, 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 please Your use website it. is very, it is very just bright. It's very bright. Yeah. It is of its time, uh, which is a long time ago. So, so that's exciting. Um, my question is, will Marco.org be implementing a dark theme? Well, I need to like start writing there first before anybody. <laughs> like right now, no one's really visiting it because even I'm not visiting it. So, <laughs> but you once do, that changes, maybe. But you always write these like longer pieces, and by the end of it, we'd all be blind. <laughs> yeah, that's, well, most people are reading on their iPhone anyway. We all know that's true. Yep. Maybe uh, a listener will submit some CSS to you. Yeah. They don't have to do anything. I have to remember how to update. <laughs> <laughs> do either of you guys use dark mode? Do you use dark mode on your Mac? No, I don't at all. I, I tried it for like 10 minutes, and I just didn't like the way the system stuff looked, even without the web page issue, which is a big issue. Uh, but even without that, like I just I don't I didn't like how like Finder windows and mail and everything. I just didn't like how any of them looked. You? I'm not using it either. I used it in the beta for a while, but I just kind of came to a point where it's like I just don't like this. And I'll have other problems with the interface, like the uh, appearance manager stuff, like the transparency all that's wrong i do really miss that i can't have a dark menu bar and dock in light mode everywhere else and I haven't found a way to trick the system into doing that okay. but um yeah so i'm in light mode uh, i don't love it but uh dark mode like it just i thought it was going to be for me but something about the contrast or something just really i get lost like i kind of where'd that window go it's all like muddy and yeah not for me i don't have any mojave max so Still running a Snow Leopard. I wish I was. It's a good. Re- I can hook you up with an installer CD later. <laughs> I brought it with me. I brought. It's in my Go Pack. Great, great, great market installs. All right, let's take our first break and thank our friends over at Text Expander for their support of this show. Text Expander helps you communicate smarter. You can create snippets for the things that you type or copy and paste all the time. You can create snippets for short things that you type, such as email addresses or website addresses, or even today's date formatted in a way that may be pleasing to your American cousins. Or maybe you can make snippets for the longer things that you type out more frequently, such as directions to a location, maybe some answers to common questions that you get for support email, and... Also, the Text Expander blog has loads of great ideas that you can just go and check out and get some inspiration there as well. Snippets can be summoned in any app on the Mac, Windows, iPhone, and iPad. Yeah, there's a keyboard that you can install, which is really awesome. You just use a short abbreviation or use a hotkey as you type. You can even personalize your responses using fill-in fields, then share your snippets with the whole team to power everyone's productivity. We use a few of these shared ones at Relay FM, like so we have filing structures and contracts that have to be filed. So uh, Carrie, who works with us, she created this incredible snippet, which has the exact file format that she wants because I'm terrible at naming things. It's She's like, contract one, 2018. Yeah. So Carrie was like, we can't deal with this anymore. So she created a wonderful snippet with a bunch of drop downs and really great fills and check boxes and stuff. And that was all done right with TextExpander. You can go to textexpander.com slash podcast right now to get 20% off your first year of a subscription with TextExpander. That is textexpander.com slash podcast for 20% off your first year. Our thanks to TextExpander from Smile for their support of this show and Relay FM. So we are recording this episode sort of in a, a weird time to be in the, the Apple world because there's a new phone coming out tomorrow. And an event next week. Uh, yeah, and an event it's next very week. very peculiar. 
when we were planning this tour, there was a lot of uh, stress around like, okay, if, if Apple does a fall event, if they do it the week before, we have a lot of stuff to talk about. If it's the week of, we're all going to die. If it's the week <laughs> after, it's like, you know, so like really we had three versions of this. But the 10R. Best timeline. We're on the best timeline. We're on the best timeline. But the, uh, at least in podcast world, I don't know about the rest of the world. Oh, come on. But the 10R, 10R is uh, shipping tomorrow. You can pick it up in stores tomorrow if you're so inclined. So reviews are out. We've all been pouring over them because it's a really interesting phone. It's a new strategy from Apple and their smartphone lineup. Yep. And uh, I thought we could talk a, a little bit about it. Obviously, this is not super informed because none of us have them. Nope. But uh, we've... Not yet, our, anyway. Well, not yet. Are you gonna you gonna buy a ten R? We'll see. We'll see. That's we'll later see. in the dock. I'm sorry. Sorry. Mm-hmm. How many phones spoilers. are you gonna buy this month? Don't worry about it. He's got- <laughs> it's fine. It's totally fine. Two iPads. Gonna get those probably. Seven phones. I got a Pixel. You gotta get every we'll color. Talk about that later. It's- this is when we pass the plates to the audience. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> take take up an offering. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. So the display, of course, is uh, the big story here. It is the same pixel density that Apple's been at for a long time, but there are more of them. So it's just like it's the same display that was in the iPhone, what was it, the 4, and then it got bigger with the 5 and bigger with the 6 and the and the 7. Like the same density. So it's, it's just a very familiar panel yep. for any of us who looked at iPhones for the last couple of years, which is probably most people listening to this. I would hope. That'd be weird. It's all... Motorola fans out we, there. We love we love our Android friends too. That's perfectly fine. I'm just saying it's a common. They're, they're like a little bit lower tier though. Let's be honest. I'm not going. Whoa, whoa. I'm not getting involved in it. I would like to say that I the Marcus views do not represent the delivery. <laughs> You're saying you see that green bubble and you don't think like, oh man. Really? You can email feedback <laughs> to Casey Liss. Yep. He loves email. So the display is it's familiar, and I think that's good. Uh, I think it means that we can talk about this display without sort of wondering what it's like, because it's one that we all know. And uh, I guess the question is, do we think that that plus the OLED LCD difference is worth $250 to most people? Or this, to us? this was a really great point that Nilay Patel made in his review on The Verge, where he basically started it off as like, well, the difference is that there is a difference, but is it $250 of difference? So... Marco, is that like is that worth it to you? We're all gonna do this. I'm not just singling him out, but like, do, do, do you think that like are you comfortable with that price difference personally for an OLED screen over an LCD screen when this is probably the best LCD screen they've ever made? And we all were very very ha- no one had problems with the LCD screen in the iPhone before. We weren't all like OLED would be nice, but we weren't like oh this is terrible. So to you, is the difference that the uh, OLED screen gives worth that extra money? I think it's it's a little hard to compare because we're not exactly comparing apples and oranges or apples and apples here. You know, it's <laughs> sorry, yeah, uh, all these fruit jokes. All right, so <laughs> like it's it, we're not comparing the same thing because like if the option is like you can either have the X, I'm just gonna say X. Yeah, you can either fine. have the XR or the XS, and, but they're not the same in every other way. There's there's other differences, some yeah, of yeah. which are substantial. So if you just if the if the issue is you can get the exact same phone, everything else is the same. One has OLED, one doesn't. Two hundred fifty dollars. If I had never had an OLED phone, like last year when none of us had the 10 yet, uh, if that, when that was brand new, I would have said, yes, that is worth it because OLED sounds really amazing. I'd love to see those deep blacks. I'd love to have the massive battery consumption reduction and everything. In practice, now that I've had the 10 for a year, 
the battery difference really hasn't panned out the way we thought it would, I don't think. Like, the 10 has good battery life, but, like, so did the 7. So, like, I don't, I don't think... And so did the 8, you know? So, like, I don't think OLED was as big of a battery saver as we thought it would be. And most of the content I look at on my phone is light. It's, you know, Instagram timelines, it's mail, it's web browsing. Uh, even, like, an Overcast, I use a light theme. Uh, it's, you know, driving directions. So, like, most of what I'm looking at is light anyway. So... I don't think OLED has actually been as big of a deal as I wanted it to be. Especially when Apple aren't taking advantage of some of the things you can do with an OLED display, like always-on functionality. Right. Like, if there was other stuff like that beyond just, like, this display looks really awesome when, it's, when you're just displaying dark stuff. Like, if, if there were other features, other differences that are functional differences, or if the battery life difference was really big, then... Yeah, I well, think it'd be worth the it. Tana has better battery life. Exactly. Right? But like so. the the way it, it, it when presented with the actual comparison we have here where it's just like, well, here's the 10R with a really good LCD screen and here's the 10S with a really good OLED screen, I wouldn't get the 10S on that factor alone. Okay. What about you, Stephen? I agree with all that. I think out of the differences between the 10R and the 10S, I feel like the screen is the least important. I think yeah. people would care more about something like the camera than the display. At least, like I'm trying to get out like in the world because I think most people, I think I think the camera may be like this one of the single biggest uh, reason people upgrade iPhones. You know, every two or three years, mm-hmm. right? I think the camera is a big driver of that. And even though the wide angle is the same, I think there will be people who do the 10s just for the camera, not thinking about the display. Or the battery life, which like the 10R and the 10 Max are in pretty even footing battery life-wise, it seems like, at least according to Apple's numbers, and I think the early reviews pan that out. So I don't know. I, I think for for me, I'd be fine going back to an LCD. I think for the reasons Marco said, like I don't like it's nice, but I don't really benefit from it in any way. And so if for me that the screen is not the reason I'm I'm ignoring the 10R or avoiding it, it as a purchase, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think probably the most important thing about the 10 lines screen is the way it, the shape of it right right like having it go to the edges whether you love it or hate it the notch is like a, it's a big thing i love the way these phones look like i i love the fact that there is as much screen as they can physically get on it and still give me the functionality like so that's kind of where i think the 10r is obviously closer to the 10s Sure. For a lot of people, than the eight was to the ten. Yeah, the the eight looked old out of the gate. Yeah, it would. The the thing was never like, well, the eight has an LCD and the ten has an OLED. It was like, right. well, look how much bigger and right. nicer because it's shaped interestingly. That screen is. Yeah. So I think I've been sharing on the show my spouse's phone woes uh, system failure. Like, yep. she had she had an SE and. I sort of, I didn't, I want to say I forced the 10, but I was like, hey, I set this up for you with all your stuff. Maybe you should check this out. Your SIM card's already in it. I was like, I was like, I need your Apple Watch for an hour. Um, <laughs> don't ask, don't ask why it's unpairing. It's weird. Uh, and so she tried the 10 because, again, the camera was sort of the impetus in our household that she wanted the better camera. Yep. And so she didn't like the 10 for a bunch of reasons. And so we settled on an 8. So I picked her an 8 up before I left town to come do this. And I was setting it up, and so I moved her from the SE to the 10 to the 8. And so spending time with, like, phones from very different eras, I was immediately taken aback 
with my reaction of the eight, which is like, it's a great phone. Like I still recommend it to a lot of people. If you need, if you want like a mid priced iPhone, the eight's the way to go still. But like I picked it up and was like, Oh man, like the bezels and the, the forehead and the touch ID, like all this. I was like, this feels way older than it is. Yeah. And like, that's sort of Apple's trick, right? Like Apple does that. And the the 10 10R 10S are all benefiting from that still. There will be a point where this doesn't feel new anymore, but I don't think we're there yet. No, we're not. And I think one of the reasons that that stuff does feel older is because the rest of the market has changed, which right. is which is not always typical, right? Like that maybe Apple's moved on and some are catching up or some have moved on and Apple hasn't, but like all flagship phones now well, have as much screen as they can fit within well, reason. Well, and, and companies, honestly, Samsung beat Apple to it. They did. You know, they had Multiple they were doing edge to edge stuff for a long time that made the iPhone look old. So yep. it's it's been the way the market has been moving. Yep. And 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 phones like the eight, you know, the eight's kind of got a bad rap because it it had to live in the ten shadow, and like I think got overlooked by a lot of us in the tech press because it it really is good. I mean, it is. It's the 10R 10S debate to a degree because it has most of the same specs, but um, right. But it's more of what you know, and that's why she wanted it. She yeah. wanted something that was more familiar. So you both mentioned the camera as like important parts of the difference, and so there are some differences between the 10R and and the other 10 phones. So it has one camera, right? So that makes some differences. The biggest is maybe in the portrait mode photos, but there are actually some good and some bad. So. There is no telephoto lens, so you can get more in the picture. So the portrait mode that it is on any phone that has two lenses on it, it uses the telephoto lens, so it's closer to you. The, the portrait is closer. So on the 10R, you can actually get more of the background when you're in the portrait mode, but it's all done in software, so it can look worse in places because the additional data that the two lenses provide on the, on the other phones can make for better pictures. But also, interestingly, because it's using the regular sensor the the wide angle sensor on the 10r low light performance in portrait mode is vastly better so marco do you, um, i'm assuming you maybe don't take a ton of portrait photos almost zero why is that is it because is it purely because you don't like the software look or do you not like apple's implementation like what is it about that that's just not for you both i mean it i i don't like fake blur I, it does look different from real, actual, you know, depth of field blur from actual optics. It it doesn't look nearly as good. And among all the phones that do it, Apple seems to have the worst algorithms for it. You know, like like I, I think the the Google line has shown over the last couple of years that like they're just better at this. Mm-hmm. And and Apple's just Apple's always able to show off a few shots that look really good. And then when you get the phone and you try it, like half your shots that you try with it, like someone's ear is blurred off. Or, or like their, gla- their glasses is like super typical. Yeah. Or or like you know they have their arm like uh, like they had like their hand on their waist so they had like this little triangle be- like with, with, in between their arm and their stomach and that triangle is super sharp in the background and yeah. the rest of them is not like I do so often many... stand like that like I'm some sort yeah, of right? <laughs> Mac superhero. Like it just it seems like the Apple portrait algorithm just fails so often in such common ways that it's it's kind of like. Siri, where like once, like once, once I try it and it fails burn. a certain number of times, I just kind of stop trying it because like I'm just I just don't want to fail anymore. So I just kind of I tried it and I stopped. And then when I got the 10s, I tried it there too, and it didn't work there very well so far either. I got like one good shot out of it, 
that I posted to Instagram. And then uh, and that was that was it. Everything else has been weird. So I don't really use the portrait feature, which is why like I shouldn't be as much of a fan of the two X camera as I am. I also whenever I do use the two X camera, or, or I'm, in a, I'm in a situation where I might use the two X camera, the fact that it's not as good of a camera is actually very apparent, especially with the 10s. I believe the telephoto camera was unchanged from the 10. So with the 10, you had the wide angle and the telephoto, and the, the telephoto was a little bit worse than the wide angle. With the 10s, the telephoto stayed the same. The wide angle got way better. So now the telephoto on the 10s is way worse than the wide angle is because there's like the wide angle got so much better, and so I find myself. Trying out the, the telephoto in certain situations, seeing how much worse it looks, and then just switching back to the wide anyway. So I'm, I'm actually using the telephoto lens less and less over time, and way less than I thought I would, which is why the 10R not having one is actually not a huge deal for me. And if I were buying one of these phones today, I would seriously consider the 10R. Is that from like I mean I guess because there are other advantages to it, but like the si- you've been a not fan of bigger phones. It is bigger. Does that it not- is bigger, but it is between the two sizes. Okay. So and like so you know everything I I think the screen the screen size has the same point resolution as the Max, right? It does, yeah. But it's just a slightly smaller screen, yeah. so everything looks a little bit smaller. So it is, it's like a nice in-between size physically, but screen real estate-wise, you have all the real estate of the big phone. That is kind of interesting to me. Again, I don't think it's enough to make me like sell my month-old 10S <laughs> or whatever. Uh, sure, but if these had come, sure. <laughs> but if these had come out at the exact same time, I would have had a tough decision. You, yeah, okay. I can see that. Because I was going to say, like, you, you do you not always go to the very tippy-top of the line, but you don't because the the max is that, right? Like, it's right. The, it's got more of some stuff and it's the most expensive, but that isn't necessarily where you go, even when the Plus phones actually had a lot more features. Exactly. And, and like, and we'll, you know, as we talked about earlier with OLED, like, I would have thought that I would have definitely gone with the high-end one if I had never had these features before, if, if I had never had the telephoto lens, if I had never had an OLED screen, I would have gone for that thinking it would be a huge difference I would actually value quite a lot. But now that I'm seeing real-world situations of, of the telephoto lens and of the OLED screen, I'm realizing, yeah, actually, I, I probably didn't need these things. And those colors. Yeah, they come in really good colors. They look really good. I really want the red one. Yeah, the red's interesting, too, because it's the only color we had before. Because the, the red 10R seems like it's basically the product red 8. Like, as far yeah. as color and, and sort of finish you know for me i, I thought about the 10r f- for a little while thinking that okay everybody i work with podcaster tech people are going to do the 10s or the max and i thought it'd be interesting to have the the point of view of a 10r user but i do use the telephoto lens i agree with you that the difference is more noticeable now it totally is but there are sometimes i can get a shot of one of my kids doing something or something funny or you know like I don't know, some sort of wildlife. I don't know, like somewhere where I can wildlife? be. Wildlife? You have a lot of funny wildlife in New It's like, okay. it's full of funny wildlife. Yeah. yeah. Have you ever seen Armadillo? They're hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> like a little. Anyways. So I, I like the, the options it gives me. I will use the wide angle if that will work for the situation, but I like having the, the option. And um, so yeah, I went with the Max and I'm happy with it. I'm not going to change over. You mentioned being happy. 
I like I like being happy. We like to talk about happy things on this show. We have a happy ometer later on. But for now, thinking about these phones and comparing them, Stephen had the idea earlier of why don't we each pick a phone that made us the happiest? Which iPhone over its history made us the happiest? But but the idea is it made you the happiest when it was new so yes. like because that factors out like what i would do is like well this one made me happy but this one's more like historically important i can sound smart so i'll pick that um <laughs> please doing. subscribe to my youtube channel uh, <laughs> but as so something that like we were just happy with out of the gate yep. uh so mike do you want to go first the iphone 3g i got up at 5 a.m to go get that phone i waited in line in the cold Right, so this is the second iPhone. I had an original iPhone. Right. But the iPhone 3G, I mean, it came with the App Store. And I know that they came at the same time, but like, I remember getting my iPhone 3G and setting up the App Store and downloading like Super Monkey Ball. And like, it was. It's everyone's first app. Incredible, <laughs> right? Like, it was so excited. Like, I remember vividly, like, standing outside like, an O2 store, which is a carrier in, in England. Because at first, they were the only place you could get them. Right. Right. Like they, that you had to, we had one carrier like AT&T. Sure. Right. So you had to go to one of their stores. Um, and so I remember waiting down outside and it was like a, there was a couple of people there and the line grew and nobody knew how many the store was going to have. Right. So it was like, will there be two? Cause it was like that as though then, right. Like you had no idea if the store would have like a small handful of them. And it also had GPS and I was leaving later on that afternoon for my first kind of like trip without my parents and was going to Paris and the idea and, and it worked out having GPS with the maps was awesome because before you had to just kind of work it out on your own right like I guess I can read maps now or at oh. least try and so like that phone like thinking back to it like it hit at just the right time it came with a bunch of in, of like incredible enhanced like the beginning of the app store right like having a phone that was just what apple gave you for so long and then it had all this other stuff to it and it hit me at a time when like i had i was like saving for an entire year to get it like it was just kind of like the perfect thing yeah and it came in it came, did it come in two colors uh it came in black and black i believe and the larger size you could get in white but just the I, larger capacity. I probably got the white. I think I got the white the one. White, I've got uh, 3GS in white, and it looks good. And it's the yeah. only iPhone that I kept for, like, a couple of years. I didn't get the 3GS. I, I loved my 3G. It was great. Rocking that uh, original processor. Mm-hmm. No video. <laughs> yep. What about you, Marco? I really... The iPhone 4 holds a special place in my heart because I loved Retina. But I think the one that was kind of the most mind-blowing for me that kind of gave me that like satisfaction, like this is amazing, is the iPhone 5. I don't think it gets a lot of credit like historically because it wasn't that important really like for a lot of the stuff, but at the time, like that was the first screen size change and the screen just seemed massive, which is hilarious now when you look at the SE. Like, it it now was looks like a skyscraper. Right? <laughs> I know, right. But like I can fit one more email on screen. Yeah. Whoa. Hooray! Like, yeah. Like I think it grew by like eighty-eight points or something like that. So it was like it was like one table row may or two tables. Like it was like it was very small. Uh, but it was a big deal at the time. We got and like an extra row of apps on the home screen as well. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. Exactly. I and remember when they when they uh, announced it. It was like on. A, I remember these things. It was on a pedestal and they spin it around. And I freaked out when I saw there was an extra app. 
Yeah. I was like, <laughs> yes, home screen editions. <laughs> yeah, like it was, it, you know, the first screen size change really changed a lot about iOS, and it was pretty easy for apps to adopt. Also, so it wasn't he didn't, he didn't have a long time or nothing was it, nothing was made for it, um, and it also just felt really good in your hand. Mm. It was the first one that had the all metal design. Like you had the plastic ones first, well, the metal plastic, then then the plastic, then the four series had the glass backs, and this one had that metal back. So not only did it feel really smooth all the way around. It, it also, if you remember, it felt impossibly light. Like it, because the 4 having double glass, that actually was pretty dense, pretty heavy. The 5 was a bigger phone that actually was noticeably slimmer and felt really light in it your hand. It was the first Space Gray, too, right? Well, it was, that was the black, was black one. Black. And the 5S looked way better, uh, but like with the actual gray and everything. But the 5, for, for the actual transition, it, it was also the first LTE phone. Like oh, that yeah. was because before that you only had LTE and the iPad three which sucked, yep. and this <laughs> was like it was finally like good LTE with like the low power chipset and everything. So it was a really good phone. Re- it really moved forward in a number of major ways. And I remember like standing around in certain places like holding that phone. I remember like like at like a certain mall I was at. Like I just had this snapshot in my head of like holding my iPhone five and feeling like man, this is I can't believe it's so light. It felt like it was empty. It was really cool. Yeah, that's a really good pick actually. I think the five is it was. I well, the design was so good it stuck around for the SE, right? Like, yeah. it just kept going. It was a great design. It was also the first with lightning, so it's kind of the first like oh, modern yeah. connector on the phone. I didn't even think about that. You're right. Yeah, <laughs> thirty pin. Rest in peace, thirty pin. God, can you like press in the sides? <laughs> yeah, it's like a scuzzy cable in there. Just yeah. the Get in. You gotta have a Terminator. Yeah, because it was one orientation only, right? right? You would somehow put it in three times to get it yeah. right. It's yeah. like USB. Oh man, yeah. thirty pin. Mine is a very yeah. specific pick. What a surprise! <laughs> so mine is the Verizon iPhone four. <laughs> that was Why a big are deal? there so many fans of this? Yeah, it, was a, it was a great phone. It was a big deal in the Most US. Most importantly, the antenna brakes were uh, even on both sides. It was symmetrical, and like the four that had the three. The three breaks, that's really important to me is who I am. So I had, I had leading up, probably I had an iPhone 3GS, but sometime in the 3GS era, I actually had to leave AT&T for like coverage reasons, for something that was important in my life at the time, and I had to move to Verizon. There was like no way around this. Like my phone strip didn't work at a place that I spent hours and hours where I really needed my phone to work. Yep. And there's kind of stuck. And so I experimented with android i bought a the original mistakes the original motorola droid Droid. (laughs) well well remember those ads like we shielded our children from the ads so aggressive it's not gonna come kill you in your sleep and the Probably. Droid was a solid, a solid phone. That was a cool looking phone. It was a, it, it, like it was the phone Batman would use. It yeah. was like black and metal and gold. Had a pretty terrible slider horizontal keyboard. Uh, but then, then I, I stepped from the Android universe uh, into the Garden of Eden that was WebOS. And I carried yeah, so you. You just made like a real left turn. He's like, oh, I went back to the iPhone. No, no, no. there is an important step. The Palm Pre Plus was on <laughs> Verizon. It ran WebOS. WebOS is a really sad story, but so many of the ideas that were sort of instigated in WebOS are things we all have today, like using the web web technologies more like integrated into modern stuff and having 
multitasking with cards and like a gesture, fluid gesture interface. All that started with WebOS. The phone was really bad. Yeah, and no then, apps. Uh, no apps. Uh, Palm went away. The back? No, they're not. Their name is, but they're dead. <laughs> so, but so, so all this is going on, right? And I, I want to be back on the iPhone, but uh, I just can't do it. And then in uh, January 2011, they announced in a very low key way that hey, uh, Verizon iPhone 4 is going to be out next month. I pre ordered one. It showed up, and um, I still have my Droid and Palm Pre. I pull them out sometimes. That it's is like, a surprise that you kept those. I know. <laughs> Seems out of character. Yeah, that's really weird. Um, the Palm Pre was a vertical slider, so like the, you slid it up and the keyboard would come out. And I was always afraid I was going to slide it up and it would just separate. It was like, shoot, <laughs> shoot the top part of the phone. It was into, shaped in, like a bar of soap. Into the sky. It was like, well, yeah. that's gone. Bye. <laughs> um, so I still have them both. But yeah, the Verizon iPhone 4, because I, I could come back to the iPhone. And that really started a period where the iPhone was spreading to new cares and not just in the u.s it was in the uk and other places all of a sudden in more places so it's an important phone but for me it was like i can come back to the iphone and uh i haven't left since so, so that wasn't <laughs> we're gonna applaud the verizon iphone 4 it's no. like one person applauded i felt no. feel bad it's like no. oh we need to because then it makes it sound like you won that <laughs> <laughs> you didn't win that i couldn't even get that this part will be edited out okay this episode of Connected is brought to you by PayPal. With PayPal, you can rely on a trusted payments partner that processes over 25 million payments per day. Let me tell you a story about a customer who trusts PayPal to handle their payment processing. Once an attorney in New York City, Linda transformed her hobby of locating hard-to-find items into a thriving luxury consignment company called Linda Stuff. What was once a passion project is now a 100-person company in a 93,000-square-foot facility. As a company specializing in high-end, previously-owned goods, reputation is everything. Integrity and trust are a critical part of how the company operates. From day one, Linda has counted on PayPal to help give her customers confidence and protect her business from fraud, even when selling internationally. She's counted on PayPal every step of the way. When it comes to growing your business, PayPal is your payments partner for today, and tomorrow. Visit paypal.com slash growth to set up a business account today. Sign up for free right now at paypal.com slash growth. Our thanks to PayPal for their support of this show and Relay FM. Okay, so we are going to uh, transition now into talking about the event next week. Kind of. Kind of. So this is not a draft not because... A draft. John, uh, Jason Snell would not license the draft technology to us. Copyright. But this is a uh, a measure of like what what things would make us happiest out of the event. These things do not necessarily have to be rooted in reality, as we will discover. Uh, but things that we would like to see and things that uh, that would just make us smile as uh, as Phil Schiller announces them. So obviously, as we all know, graded on the best I love you teachy scale. Um, so, you know, we'll be aware of that. We'll talk about it maybe next week on the teacher scale. So, as always, the only scale, the true scale. Yes. Uh, so, we have uh, a couple of rounds. And uh, as our guest, Marco, would you like to go first? I would. I think everyone here is going to know what I'm going to say. <laughs> iPads. Close. I'll give you a hint, though. You have a keyboard over there that you might want to keep some dust out of. So, <laughs> I should let you know that that... Laptop you sold me. Scan stuck again. Just want to let you know, Marco. I told you it would. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I, I like it because when it gets stuck, I think of you. Oh, good. It's nice. Hey, that's, 
As you smash your elbow yeah. into the key. <laughs> yeah, so, so my, my first pick for what would make me happiest here is fixing the low-end laptop. Like, it, right now, it's, it's been a mess for so long with, like, the MacBook Air hanging around forever, the 12-inch MacBook not really being a replacement for it, then the 13-inch MacBook Escape coming out and also not really being a replacement for it, and the Air just keeps being sold forever. And so I... It is like a zombie at this point. It really is, right? like, it looks weird, and, like, it won't go away. It's very strange. But, like, people aren't being... Like, dumb, it's still a really compelling yeah. computer. And they haven't made one that is more compelling for a huge part of the market, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. So there's a reason it's still being sold. I think they need to end that reason, finally. And so what I want is for them to fix the low-end laptop by releasing something new that fits that market in the way it actually demands things and, and in, in a way that, that actually be a good product. Because, you know, the Air has been a good product this whole time, right? For eight years since, since that body style was introduced. They need to fix that. They need to give it a price that fits its market. They, it needs to be as versatile as the Air was, and that might that might be about ports or something. But it also needs to have reliability because the Air has been, is being used by people not only who you know need that, like everyone does really, but like you know value conscious people need it over uh, more than most people because like they maybe can't afford to replace yeah, it as it, often it, or it's, get it's a service kind of out of warranty. That, like you, like it's the low end laptop, but that should mean it should last longer. Yeah, and it's gonna, it's going to be put in schools and yep. given to kids, yep. and it, like it's there's gonna, it's so it gets so much use where durability really matters and and serviceability down the road is going to matter too. So it needs to have a non butterfly keyboard. Ooh. <laughs> so in the idea of this is the happyometer, so it's just whatever makes you happiest. Is yeah, this that would a, make me happiest. Is this a new keyboard or the old keyboard? Don't care. It can be like like the the one the one they make in the in the magic keyboard, the you know, the desktop version. Yeah. It's that's good. a scissor keyboard, and it's it's good. It's yeah. fine. Like you know, it still has the weird arrow key layout, but okay. You know, I I know I can't get everything I want here. You, no, no. And in the happyometer, you can have whatever you want. That's what this is all about. This is just whatever makes Marco the happiest. At this point, I have such low expectations on the keyboards <laughs> that oh, no. anything that's, that's a totally new keyboard would make me happiest. Okay. It'll be made of glass. Good luck. <laughs> oh, God. Touchscreen. That was my pick, but we let Marco go first because he's the guest and we have to be nice. Uh, so I'm going to I'm gonna stay in the Mac family, and I'm just going to go. I'm putting all my chips on the table for a, a modern Mac Mini. So this is not just... We got some Mac Mini crowd fan fans here. You have the entire customer base in this first row yeah. over here. Yeah. And literally nobody would use it for what Apple intends it to be used for. It's like, oh, I'm going to put it in a closet and I'm going to run a server on it. It's like, that's not what the product is, but like, go for it. Put it in a car. You can do all sorts of crazy things. So uh, I I'm drawing a distinction here between, hey, we just put last year's Intel chips in it. Have fun. Uh, this is that the hap the happy version is it is a truly modern Mac inside. That means the T2 with the fast SSD. It means uh, Thunderbolt three because it's a desktop. This also means USB A because the iMac Pro and the iMacs have Thunderbolt three and USB A just side by side. They don't even fight. They're just like right next to each other. <laughs> Imagine that harmony amongst Har ports. Yeah. There's peace in Dongletown. That's right. <laughs> It's good. And uh, I would like to see all of that in a form factor that, again, is just more modern. Uh, that probably just means space gray, which would look awesome. Mm -hmm. But, 
the the Mac Mini, I said this on Upgrade the other night, it is built around the optical drive that they removed in 2011. Like, it's still that form factor, and you, we've seen what others can do now with much more powerful hardware. And so I think a, a truly a, a Mac Mini for our modern age would really make me happy because I'm in the market for two of them now. Mm-hmm. Uh, can I tell this story? Yeah. So we have, if you're listening to the live stream now that is uh, hosted uh, by our friends at Mac Stadium and the Mac Mini, there uh, we've had there uh, the Ethernet died on it. So we're streaming through a dongle. <laughs> and that really, really makes me feel uncomfortable. I like it. So I like it. It's um, fun. So, you know, it's a bit danger. It, it, it feels that way. Maybe we can get like some flames painted on the side of the dongle. Oh, it goes faster. It make well, it go faster. Do you honestly think the new Mac Mini wouldn't require a dongle for Ethernet? In, in the happy land, Marco, it has <laughs> 10 gigabit Ethernet, just yeah. like my iMac Pro. This is an expensive this, this, machine you're this building. This Mac out Mini here. costs well, $4,000. Here's the thing, though. Like, <laughs> like, no, like, in all seriousness, like, like the, the Mac Mini, as originally conceived, like you, you mentioned this in Upgrade, like it was originally conceived as like this, this cheap Mac desktop to attract Windows users. So yeah. the whole point of the machine was to be cheap. To attract desktop users. It was users. to slot into something that, is, that already existed. Right. right. Like, that market barely exists anymore. Yep. And the what the Mac Mini needs to do now is not necessarily to be to be super cheap, because low-end buyers tend to buy things like the MacBook Air. They, they tend to buy low-end laptops instead. <laughs> um, so what it needs to be is the gap filler. It needs to cover a whole bunch of different uses that the other machines just can't because of their physical size and sure. attributes, right? It doesn't necessarily have to be super cheap. So they could make a machine that has high-end specs. And like this was rumored to be like you know, the, quote, pro-focus configuration for the Mac Mini. I think that makes a lot of sense. They could, they could make a version of this that they, first of all, can keep up to date a little more often. Um, but like, give it all the corners. ports. They back give themselves it all the... into a real thermal corner with the Mac Mini. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, Sharp corners. Yeah, right. Like, I, I, it doesn't need to be super cool it doesn't need to be super tiny it doesn't need to be super cheap it just needs to be very versatile so put in a vote here for lots of ports so done with this mac stuff (laughs) nonsense uh so we're expecting ipad hardware that'd be great very excited about ipad hardware like i have a huge hole in my 12.9 inch like it's it's like a massive hole above the home button because i like just destroyed the screen the screen is just destroyed and i keep sticking my finger into the ipad which is i don't need to be that close to it force, i love it but like force touch like it's <laughs> it is forceful uh i would love to see some ipad software changes that goes along with this like we're expecting a pro machine like USB-C apparently now if you're gonna do that there's a bunch of really interesting things that could happen with USB-C like I don't know if I necessarily care about external displays that much if that's all it does like you give me an external display like what about some other input methods what about being able to access the files app like wouldn't that be a lot of fun what if we just let's just go wild and let's just change the home screen like why don't we just do it you know I think that I just think that if we're gonna have this like iPhone tenny style iPad, right? Like it's really cool, looks super futuristic. It might look a bit weird with just like this big app icon grid. Like, oh, oh look at it. Like it just doesn't really seem that exciting. I, I'm still hoping and expecting, definitely expecting that at WWDC we'll see all this stuff. But maybe just just throw me a bone or two. You know, there's like, oh, there's a couple of new things that come with like 12.1 or 12.2 
which are just iPad software stuff. I would be very happy about that. I mean, the iPad definitely seems to be on a year-on, year-off cycle with software. Yep. But but the the sort of the, the wild hair there is the, what was it, the 10.2 or 2? It was 10.3 that added 10. all that classroom stuff and, yeah. and things like that. And so it, there is some precedent for them to do sort of a mid-cycle thing on the iPad. And I think that would be... I think that'd be great. You know, I think yeah. I think that the the iPad for me is held back by like some pretty fundamental things, and that's not hardware. Like the hardware is great. Like my ten point five inch iPad Pro is way more powerful than I need it to be, and this one's going to be even more so, assumedly. But what's holding it back for I think for a lot of us are these like basic software things. Like great, I have USB C, but I have an SD card here, and like I can't I can't make them work together, which is silly. Like they need to open this device up to external things to make it a better citizen of the world and not just be like a closed off island. And yeah, I really it, hope that USB-C is yes. like the bridge to that future. Cause it's just super weird if like you put a universal port on it, but it only works with like a monitor. Like that's it'd be, it. It'd be disappointing. And, uh, and so yeah, I'm on, I'm on board with this hundred percent. Cause I, like things like editing audio, it's like, yeah, I can put it on Dropbox. I'm going to be like, I have it on an SD card. Like, I'm recording an SD card right now. And, like, and sort of like shoving it into the inside of your iPad, there's no way to get it in. And also, like, you know, what if you're on a plane? Or what if you're in, like, in an area that doesn't have good cell coverage or something? Like, it's nice to be able, like, you can't just rely on cloud storage for everything when you have literally, like, here's a memory card. Here's an iPad. There's files on this I need to get here. And there's no way I can do that without involving the internet. Like right, that's weird. Like, I know. I know you guys use SD cards a lot, so that's why you're focusing on it. But like, when you put, if you put USB C on this thing, it's hard drives, like actual just hard oh, yeah. drives that are USB C. You yeah. just plug. You should just plug it in, and a, something should happen. Hook an SSD RAID right up to an iPad. Sure, yeah. <laughs> that'd be yeah. awesome. There's a lot of data you got to deal with. It's, yeah, you can just tape it to the back. Tape like a few, a few of those Samsung T2 drives or whatever. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> now we're talking. That'd be that'd be great. Yeah, people I'm, have been asking for expansion. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Marco, you're up. All right, so this is round two. Mm-hmm. My happy thing next, whatever we're calling this, not a draft. Not a draft. Not a draft. Just happy stuff. I want to see a completely redesigned Apple Pencil. And so if you look here at Mike's iPad here, there's an iPad, there's an Apple Pencil that is stuck to the top of it in like a notebook pen loop It thing. is the Leuchtturm 1917 pen loop, Marco. Yes. So... It is also enclosed in a metal, like, pen-shaped barrel shield thing that goes that around it. That is the Caveco uh, grip. Naturally, right. Like, the number of hacks that, he's has to, that he has to do to make this thing feel good in the hand, comfortable to use, and always with him, not to mention the fact that we haven't seen it charge yet. I stand by the charging. I stand by the charging. So, it's, you know... Now your pencil's paired with his iPad. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I feel comfortable. I think our friendship reached a new level. Uh, so, you know, the pencil as it stands now is is amazing technology that's really nice to use, but it just sucks to carry it with the iPad. There's just no good way to carry it, and it's always getting discharged because if you carry it anywhere near the iPad, it'll keep itself kind of paired, sort of, and then it'll discharge itself. And charging it is really awkward and weird, and and so. 
And not to mention, you have this little cap that you pop that off, and that's gone. You lost that forever, right? Like, and it comes with a little dongle, a little like reverse adapter to be able to plug I'm into a lightning cord. He's port. about to lose the cap of my. I know, right? <laughs> so, like, there's so much about this that is fiddly, and there's there's all these little parts to lose. There's the weird way you can't carry it easily with the iPad, and there's the charging issue. I want them to fix this. I want them to design a new iPad and Apple Pencil that actually seem like they were designed to be together. Instead of what we have now, which seems like these were designed on different planets. So make it more convenient to carry with the iPad. Maybe there's that, maybe that magnet thing that's rumored for the back of it. Maybe you can stamp it on there like, like the Microsoft uh, tablet things do. That works fine um, as long as it's strong enough to actually keep it there like in a bag. Um, so make it more convenient to keep with you, more convenient to keep charged, and with fewer fiddly bits and parts to lose. Yeah, I love the Apple Pencil, but decided that it was flawed in a bunch of ways. So what I have done is make the Apple Pencil that I want. You've made a monster, right? No, it's beautiful. <laughs> the Caveco grip thing is really nice. Like, I actually think it's re- it, it has all of the features that I want. It has a much nicer grip, which is more comfortable to hold. And it's faceted, so it won't, won't roll away because that weight thing is nonsense. Like, it rolls. It will roll away. Oh, yeah. it's, so, it's like it's, it's a perfect circle. It will roll. So <laughs> I, I, my... I would love this. I, I would love a button or two on it. Yeah, that'd because, be good too. Uh, to, to add additional functions in, in a lot of applications, it'd be great. I use a Wacom tablet um, with my iMac, and I can select things and delete things, and there's loads of different functions you can add to it. This is something that Microsoft, I think, and Google have on their stylus products. Yeah. Um, but I really hope that Apple make an aluminium one. It would be wonderful. It can still be light and it would be really great looking. They could charge more for it, come in colors. It'd be great. I, I, that's something I really hope for. Uh, I don't think I'm going to get the, it made of the materials that I want, but I do think that they will uh, uh, may do at least some of the things that, that you were asking for. Hope so. I mean, it's one of those things, like there's a whole world of these devices Apple could look at and, and find ways to improve it. And it's very, yep. it's very clear to me the pencil is maybe the the first example that comes to mind for me is like this seems like it was designed in a vacuum. Yeah. Well, I don't want to move away from the fact that like thinking about ver- version one of the Apple Pencil is the best stylus anyone's ever made for a tablet. Right? Like the technology, the way that they paired it, the, the responsiveness, like the fact that you can tilt it to shade. Like they did an incredible job sure. with the inside technology of this thing. But now that's taken care of. They need to go further. I hear you. That's good. I'm going to spend a little time uh, with the iMac, the regular iMac, not the iMac Pro. Yeah, back to the Mac. Back to the Mac. <laughs> I have a lot of, I have a lot of complaints about the iMac line. So if you walked into an Apple store with $1,100 to buy an iMac, you would buy an iMac with no Retina display, a oh. spinning hard drive that is powered by turtles. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it, like low RAM, it's not a great machine. Everybody here, it just went through the same thing that I went through earlier today when I didn't know this product existed. Yeah, I didn't realize they were still selling. I knew the, I knew about the hard drive. I didn't realize they were still selling a non-retina iMac. Yes. So the as you move up the line, what screen size is that? Twenty-one point five inches. <laughs> for some reason, as well, right? It is small. So let's talk about the intro entry level four K machine. Also has a spinning hard drive as standard, not a fusion drive, and these are slow, uh, fifty four hundred RPM drives. I have I have actually used one of these more modern iMacs with this slow drive, and it's it's 
And this is not just like, oh, he's a nerd. It's really slow. Like, you get the beach ball when you open system preferences. Like, it feels <laughs> like the hipster's iMac, right? Like, it's like... Yeah. Like gl- steampunk? Yeah. <laughs> it, it's like, you hear this grinding inside. Yeah. Like, oh, it's working. Yeah. It's like crank on the back. Oh, yeah. I just love the sound quality of the hard drive. Like, the cracks <laughs> and pops. It really adds a warmth yeah. to the data. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what? at this point, like, it should be illegal to sell hard drives. Like, it should literally be illegal to sell a computer hey, that only has a spinning hard drive. I in really like my artisanally crafted data loss. <laughs> <laughs> so, what would make so the iMac is due for processor upgrades? Those chips are available. I fully expect to see them. I would like the quad, the the count, the core count to go up, but especially in this low end of the line. You've got to get rid of the non-retinal and make sell it to kids and education only, whatever. But if you walk into an Apple store, you should not be able to buy a non-retina iMac. And I understand that apparently we're still in Fusion Drive world. Like the Fusion Drive should be standard across the line. You should not be able to to buy a machine that boots from a hard drive. The only two that do are this El Cheapo iMac and the Mac Mini. And I feel like if the Mac Mini is going to be updated to at least a Fusion driver in my world, like the the dual SSD modules, th- this iMac's got to come along for the ride, at least to the Fusion drive land. Because it is kind of funny that, like, I mean, the Mac Mini has a hard drive because the Mac Mini is so old. Right. This iMac is not that old. It was old. revised not that long ago. Yeah. And so it's, you know, t- to me, I think, I just think about the, the person coming to the Mac for the first time, and they're not buying, probably, the, they're not buying the iMac Pro. They're not buying the MacBook Pro with Touch Bar, especially if they're a student or they're you know maybe they're a young adult you know kind of out on their own for the first time that they need a, they need a new Mac. A family machine or a family machine, absolutely. That's a pretty bad experience, and if it's someone's first experience with the Mac or the first one that they've bought for themselves, like is that the impression Apple wants to leave? I don't think it is because like these machines are are just not responsive. They're slow. They're more prone for data loss. It's just not a good look. And so I think it would make me really happy with all the processor stuff and six core on the high end. Fix this low end iMac mess and make these entry models something that Apple could be proud of. I'm actually optimistic that this might be the time for that because they're clearly going through a major Mac architectural transition where they're they're clearly going to spread the T2 architecture far and wide. Like what they want to do is get all the Macs on this T series sure. architecture but for lots of security reasons and just the amazing SSD performance and everything else. Like it's a great architecture and they're pushing hard on it right now. That's why I think we're seeing a MacBook Air replacement and a Mac Mini replacement this fall because I think they want to for lots of security reasons I think as fast as possible, they want to get all the Macs sold on the T2 land. And I don't see them shipping this T2 architecture with support for spinning hard drives. So I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm guessing no that, the, that all new Macs from this point forward not only have the T2, but don't have spinning hard drives. And if they're going to go through that kind of update for the iMac, please change the retina screen. Or change the retina screen. Because like, like if, they, if they drop the spinning hard drive and still sell non-retina, I will cry. Yeah. <laughs> Darren, Darren, like it's just the same with the MacBook Air. It, there shouldn't be Macs with non-retina screens now, right? And it, I think we're finally. I mean, look, the the first Retina product was the iPhone four in 2010. The first Retina Mac was 2012. It's been a while. Yeah, we shouldn't have any more non-retina devices from Apple anymore. I want iPad trackpad support. All right. Uh, so it's a couple of things. I mean, one, just being able to 
scroll through web pages would be nice. To be able to select text would be nice in the way that you kind of can with the software keyboard stuff. But let's imagine that there's going to be external monitor support. I would like my iPad to maybe be over there and I could use a trackpad and could do everything. Also, I have started to think kind of more seriously about the ergonomic impact of these devices. So I've been putting my iPad on a stand. I'm using my Apple Pencil for a bunch of stuff. But I would also really like to have a trackpad there to, I mean, in the beginning, I guess at least, to just allow me to do some basic stuff. But ultimately, when we start to see this weird cross-pollination of iPad and Mac apps, that it might work really great to have a trackpad with an iPad. So that's what I would like very, very much. Very much, in fact. I mean, the rest of the world is doing this, right? You look at Google, you look at the... Yeah, su- we just saw that, like, what is it, the Pixel the Slate? Pixel Slate. Has a trackpad? It's super buggy, but that's mm-hmm. a, t- a story for a different time. Yep. Uh, but the surfaces, I mean, you walk into a Best Buy, anything you can buy running Windows 10 that's decent is going to have a touchscreen, but it's going to retain the trackpad. And we're going to take touchscreen Macs off the table for a second. The iPad is coming, this, coming at this from the other side, where it now feels a little out of place that you have to reach up and touch the screen for everything. You know, users of these other devices, like I see them, I got friends who use them, and they move very fluidly from the screen to the trackpad to the to the the keyboard and there's real benefit there to a user. You know, for, for me it's the same as you, it's the ergonomics of it and and also sort of just the speed of it. Like if I can keep my hands horizontal, I can work sort of more smoothly and it, yep. it makes a ton of sense here and we could joke and say, oh, well, you know, what's a Mac? What's an iPad? But the the rest the, of the world doesn't... They're moving towards being the same thing. They are, probably. Sorry, Marco. Yeah. But the rest of the world doesn't... I thought you were on my team. I am. <laughs> the, the rest of the world doesn't care about these dis- distinctions, and it seems old-fashioned that Apple continues to. Really simple way to think of it. Every multi-touch gesture that you do on your iPad, you can just move to a trackpad. That's just a basic way to do it, and yeah. it will work from there. Absolutely. Also, I feel like it, it would dramatically improve one of the iPad's biggest like slowdowns when you're trying to get a lot of stuff done, which is text selection and, and text yeah. movement of cursors and everything. Yep. Having a trackpad with like a cursor that could just say "bam" and click right there, that would be so much faster. Like I know you can use your finger, but you have to wait for the insertion point to come up, and there's it's just slower yep. and less precise. So to have a fast, precise point input method that could be tied into the text selection system to make it work more like uh, you know Macs and PCs do would I think dramatically improve iPad well, yeah. productivity. Well, because the software version on the software keyboard is wonderful, but I use my iPads with hardware keyboards all the time, like Apple Intents. Yeah, and and like me too. <laughs> yeah, and like like when when I got the iPad Pro and I got the smart keyboard with it, that dramatically changed how much I use my iPad. Like I love it so much more with a real physical keyboard. Yeah, I can I can get so much more done so much faster on it that it's way. It's one of the best keyboards Apple makes. It, honestly, it is. I love the smart keyboard. It does can't get in underneath that fabric. No. Yeah. All of my keys have worked the entire time. <laughs> you asked too much. Yeah. All right. This episode, we have one more round of picks. But before we do, let's thank our final sponsor. And that is the fine folk over at Timing, who make the automatic time tracking app for macOS. In today's fast-moving world, the next distraction is right around the corner, which makes it harder and harder to stay on track of your projects and determine how much you really worked. That's why you need an app to help you stay on top of your time. But manual time tracking can be an interruption 
Timing is different. Timing automates your time tracking to save you as much time as possible. First, it will automatically track how you spend time on your Mac, broken down by app, website, and document. It's very similar to iOS 12 screen time, but for the Mac. Plus, timing offers more advanced tracking, including manual stuff and a wonderful dark mode. You can end up with a lot of data to work through, so timing will let you use drag and drop to create rules that automatically categorize your time for you. It will also suggest like gaps in your timeline and how to fill them, and it will even ask you what you did whenever you return to your Mac, so you can very easily add that information in. It also has an automatic sync feature as well to keep that data in sync across all of your Macs. I believe in time tracking very greatly, but one of the big problems is that people can not understand exactly what they're tracking and when, and you forget the timers. But one of the great things about time tracking is that it will let you understand how you're spending your time, and a system that is just doing it in the background really is the best way to get that information. Timing is so confident that you'll love their fuss-free approach. They offer a totally free trial. Go to timingapp.com connected and you'll be able to download the 14-day trial and save 10% when you purchase. That is timingapp.com connected. Timing. Stop worrying about time and focus on doing your best work instead. Our thanks to Timing for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right. Marco, your final pick for the happy armor to please. So while we're not ripping off Jason, this is not the crazy round. No. But it is the more remote possibilities, I think. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think so, looking at this. <laughs> well, we'll see. One, one of the recent rumors that came out uh, a few days ago mm-hmm. is that uh, Ming-Chi Kuo is predicting that there might be a new iPad mini. <laughs> at this... I mean, this sounds as ridiculous as the Mac mini, right? But that's also rumored... If there was a new iPad Mini, that would make me very happy because, you know, I mean, since we're not picking things that are totally unlikely in this round, the market that wants the functionality of an iPad but doesn't want it to be this big has not gone away. That market is still there. Bags there have not gotten bigger. There is a person in my household who significantly believes in the iPad Mini and will, does not want it to go away. Yeah. Adina is using an iPad Mini 2 very happily. Yeah. Like, the I iPad don't know Mini. How. Like, I, I think it has a spinning hard drive. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it doesn't have Touch ID. Yeah, yeah, and like, and actually, and my son uses that same model. Yep, like yeah, you know, the same. And and it's it's getting pretty old. I'm kind of afraid to upgrade it to iOS 11. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and you know, it's I would like for his next iPad. You know, he's six, so I think this might be a little big for him to go to the you know 9.7 or 10.5 kind of class size. I really want that size to continue to exist. And for the last couple of years, it hasn't looked like it's going to. And nothing will replace it. So I really hope they actually do a new iPad mini, even though it would probably have lower end specs than, than most of the iPads. And they would still have a weird like segmentation challenge to prevent schools from just buying only them because they're the cheapest one instead of buying the new you know, 329 iPad or whatever that one is. Like, so I don't know how they would price it. I don't know what they would put in it. I don't know whether it would have pencil support or anything pro like that. I just want this product to keep existing because there are people who use it who want that size and for whom the big ones are too big. It's just like the Mac Mini. Like it, it, it really is. They're kind of like the Mini lines. It's, it's kind of similar in that way. There are people that really want them, and they're really old now, but they keep existing. Wait, the people or the devices? <laughs> Both? Ah. So I have a headcanon for this because the iPad Mini rumor did come up very last minute. Of, you know, I would imagine that Tim Cook uses uh, Siri, you know, texting 
no, he's not going to type. He's too busy for that. Oh yeah. So he just he tells Siri to uh, to the hardware team, hey, you know we're going to make a new Mac Mini. But Siri garbled it, and so he goes like six weeks later, and they've made a new iPad Mini. <laughs> he's like, what are you doing? We're supposed to do a Mac Mini, and like, well, we already made this, and so you might as well put it on sale. That's my. I like that. That seems plausible. Hey, whatever it takes. Yeah. Yeah. It got Mini right, but you know, Mac and iPad. It's confusing. So you mentioned Ming-Chi Kuo. Um, the prediction came out with a bunch of other stuff, but Kuo is saying that it will have an upgraded processor and a lower-cost panel. It might not be shown off next week. He kind of says he's not sure about that, but it is coming, apparently. It yeah, could be they, a website refresh. Yeah. Yeah it, yeah, it doesn't need to be a big thing. It doesn't need to be high-end. It doesn't need to be fancy. It just needs to be like people who want this product want to be able to keep buying them with newer guts in them mm-hmm. more than every 10 years. Like, if, it, if that's all it was, just a processor and a different panel... That's enough. It would be, but it would be a waste of time to put it on stage, right? Like, it, yeah, you, you, that you would have other stuff that you could probably yeah. spend more time when on. When they introduced... I think it was the iPad Mini 4. It was with an iPad Air event. I think, I'm pretty sure it was the 4. It's like, oh, we also have the iPad Mini 4. And Phil's like, what's an iPad Mini 4? It's the Mini 3 with Touch ID. Two sentences, 12 <laughs> years ago, and we're still here. So I mean, to be fair, that really was all it was. It's, <laughs> a, it's literally all it was. I'm in the same boat. Uh, my kids have an iPad Mini 2. I did put iOS 12 on it. Don't do that. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, it's not good. Also, he's going to lose flight control. Oh, man. <sighs> yeah. He, keep See, him in the world where flight control exists. Yeah. Please. This is a happy time. Keep, keep him happy. This would be awesome. I think, I think too, that, I mean, obviously you have kids in schools, and I agree with you, I don't think it'd have a pencil, but, like, I kind of wish it would. Like, the iPad mini is such a great size. Like, it'd be kind of a great to have, like, a little, like, tablet for sketching, and, like, I could see people liking it because it's extremely portable, and you could use it as a notebook, re- like, as actual, like, physical notebook replacement. But I, I think that time's probably passed, but um, it would make me happy, too, most definitely. So mine, my last one, I'm leaning hard into this makes us happy. This in no way is a prediction. This in no way is a (laughs) prediction. I can't underscore that enough. It would make me happy. It would make John Syracuse happy. Happiest of all. But most importantly, it would make Casey miserable. (laughs) (laughs) I would love... To see a Mac Pro preview. Now, yeah, Mac Pro. This is totally a WWC thing, and it'll be out the end of the year. I, I understand that. But a boy can dream, and this boy dreams of Mac Pros. I, I have an iMac Pro. I'm extremely happy with it. It will be my computer for a long time. It's the best Mac I've ever owned. I really love the all-in-one lifestyle. Marco, you've been converted to this as well. We just don't have cables everywhere. It's like, it's all here, and you can take it to the beach and <laughs> do whatever. That's, I honestly want it for that. That sounds um, awesome. But with if this event is going to make Mac people happy, and I think it will, why not just go all the way? Like, why not make them all the way happy? Because <laughs> it's really far away. Why? Why does it take so long to build a tower? Like, <laughs> Dell does 32 a week. Like, just do it. <laughs> You know, triangles are pretty hot oh my to gosh. build. <laughs> if they make a triangular Mac Pro, I am done. Like, 
It's that. Like, I'm gonna build a hackintosh. You know they're gonna do something weird. You know, like I know. they can't just make a tower. Like I know. they they can't swallow their pride. They're, they're not, honestly they're not confident enough to just make a tower. I know. They need to show off. They need to do something crazy and innovative. So, you know, so like it's gonna be something weird about it. You yeah. know there is. So I don't know about about y'all y'all referring to the audience, but when I travel to different cities, I end up in Apple stores. Like, I've been to five in the last three days, and they're all amazing and different in, in every way. But um, the, there's a table in the Apple store that I call the table of extremes. <laughs> there are four things on this table. There's the regular iMac, which is fine, whatever. They have the iMac Pro, which is like, go team space gray. But then they have a Mac Mini, just one. And they have the 2013 Mac Pro, <laughs> which I've never owned one. Both of these two gentlemen have. Neither of them own it now. <laughs> and I see it, and I'm just like, uh, what happened? And we know, we, know, we know what happened, right? We know that they designed something that was silly, and they couldn't put additional parts in. I was so excited to buy that machine. I know. We, we bought that so... it was nothing but a problem. Like... It, it did crashed. the worst thing any computer can do. It just completely would freeze, just and and just lose gone. recordings. And the yeah, well that yeah, it would lose all of my my audio. The only thing to do was to unplug it from the wall, which is good for computers. It's they all, like and that, it, <laughs> and it would do it like every two days. Yeah, and the they that pro market is still hurting from that. And the iMac Pro has taken care of some of us. Like, I want to see what the Mac Pro is, but it's it's not on my radar as an upgrade. Like the, the iMac Pro, really, really. Like I really, I know. Like the thing on Connect is haha. Stephen buys things. It returns them. It, no, you, you Mark will. and I are the same in this way. But the at least, like I'm not under any delusion here. I know I'm going to buy it. That's the difference between the two of us, maybe. <laughs> but. But I, I just think I think those people deserve to know what's going on, and uh, it'd be great, and it'd make me really happy because we could talk about that instead of iPads, and or what? Marco, let's do this. Can we negotiate a trade for? Uh, I'll come on ATP and talk about Mac Pros, <laughs> and Casey can come on Connected and talk about that'll work about Jeeps. iPads, Jeeps. Oh, there we go. I want to talk to Casey about you? Jeeps. Yeah, that's that'd I know. Weird. We should talk about Jeeps. Uh, we got to come up with some sort of system, but uh, I think it'd be great, and I think people would be really enthusiastic about it. And you know, Marco, you said this really smart thing, um, and uh, that I wish I had come up with, so I just steal it from you all the time. Is like Apple is is like r- like writing like chapter after chapter to Mac users, like fixing things in the past. They're getting it back on track, and like this is like. I'm going to mix my metaphors, but this is like the, the crescendo. Like, this is like the final song. Like, this is the, the thing where everybody gets up and cheers at the end, at least me and John. And <laughs> it's just time. Like, I, you know, I'm sure we're going to see it, but I'd love to see it. And now I've talked about the Mac Pro way longer than anyone wants me to. It's not going to happen. I know. I, I can tell you what I think will happen. There will be a line given to Matt Panzerino that they're working on. It. Yeah, he, he's got the inside line on the mac pro like they i think if there is a bunch of mac stuff like they will acknowledge that it is still on the way yeah but i don't i I mean the best place if they're going to show any teaser for this is wwdc do you do you know the story about so when he did the round tables like him and gruber and uh, a couple other people so i read all of them right because i'm going to read all of them and uh 
And Panzerino, there was I love Matt's writing because he does all these little details. And it was like, oh, in the lobby of this building, there was a display case with a bunch of old Macs in it. It was like, sign me up. And so I'm reading through this, so like I'm comparing my collection to their collection. Um, Got it, as you do. Got it. Yeah. Need. Got yeah. And he had a funny thing in there that it was like the 20th anniversary iMac. Like, well, that's not a computer. Like the 20th anniversary Mac is. And so I DM'd him. I said, hey, I'm the only person on the literally the only person on the planet who cares about this. But <laughs> you have a typo here, and he fixed it. And so really, when the Mac Pro shows up, it's because of me. That is a real tenuous link that you have drawn there, my friend. I don't think that's got anything to do with anything. We're but. talking about things that make us happy, Mike. Okay. Then, yes, it's all also, because like, of you. Whatever brings the Mac Pro here, we'll take it. Whatever. Like, who do we have to sacrifice? Oh. I love you, buddy. I will buy one, probably. I, I think I'm going to be the one that ends up buying one. I think so, too, because you want it for... Ever. For... <laughs> You want something you can upgrade, you can do VR on. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, on. no, the VR, I have an incredible gaming PC. I don't need to mess around with this Mac stuff. It has LEDs in it, My so it's cool. My gaming PC is Lots incredible. Everyone that's seen it, including these two, absolutely love yeah, so it. so I want to build one, I just don't want to own one. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> building is so most good. of the fun. It's so good, I love it. Then and you it, get to the Windows part, and it gets a lot less fun. Yeah, it, you can just pay little attention to it. I deal with Windows as little as possible. But, like, I do have these funny things. I have, like, a this, an audio box called the Tascam, which on the Mac, you just plug it in, and it's fine. On Windows, you plug it in, and it's, like, all these pieces of software load every single time that do nothing. Like, it's just, like, <laughs> confirming that it's on. <laughs> and it loads, loads every single time. And then one time I upgraded Windows and then it stopped working. So I had to downgrade the driver by two versions and then it works again. <laughs> and then sometimes it just doesn't work and I have to unplug it and plug it back in again and it works again. Like, this is what it's like to live with a Windows this, machine. This has been a solved problem with like standard HID audio drivers for USB devices. Yeah, right. Since Bill, before like, I bet care. someone here was born. Like, if there's anyone here who's like 20 or younger, chances are this problem has been solved before you were born. Yeah. But they just don't care. Like drivers, man. It's the way of the past. So I would like to pick for my final pick I'm just, there's a theme. There's a consistent theme running through all of mine, and I, the, the, it, the end is I want a laptop-style iPad keyboard cover. How, how is this different from wanting a trackpad? It will have a trackpad in it. <laughs> this is not three the, different products. This, this is... <laughs> there is a difference. There is a difference. So I, with my 12.9-inch iPad Pro, I'm a very, very happy user of the Bridge keyboard. It is wonderful. It is just the bottom of a MacBook. You got one basic. that works. It works now. So I would say the first edition, like the first version of it, was was garbage. It never worked. <laughs> just didn't work. Second version, I have it perfect. I know a few other people that have it. Like they fixed the problems they were having with Bluetooth. They had some Bluetooth issues. Um, but basically, this thing, it's just it's basically the bottom of a laptop with this really cool little hinge system. You put the iPad in it, you can open and close it, it is adjustable, I love it. But I want Apple to make one of these for a few reasons. I want them, well, one, good keyboard, right? Let's hope this is a good timeline, they're making a good keyboard, right? Like we're just assuming this has got a good keyboard. Yeah, this is happy meter. Yeah, it's good keyboard. Backlit keys, I would love backlit keys. The bridge has backlit keys, but it has a battery and the battery dies. I want this thing that Apple makes to be a smart connector product so there's no charging so it has backlit keys which does exist logitech 
make a keyboard which is powered by the smart connector, which is rubbish, but it has backlit keys, so it's possible to do it. <laughs> but we're assuming that the smart connector is going to be better, and that's what that thing is on the back. Maybe, probably, we'll see. So no charging because I don't want to charge it. I hate having to charge it. It's annoying. Like, it's a keyboard. I don't want to charge it. But I like the adjustable hinge because then I can kind of sit in any position. It's like a laptop because the problem with the smart keyboard is it is in one way. Like, that's all it is. It's just this one way. And it's not very easy on the lap and stuff like that. It's just not very comfortable. So I would love to see what Apple could do to make basically the iPad be a laptop. You put a, put a trackpad on it, has wonderful keys, smart connector, the whole deal. I think it should just go the whole way. It's the best way to use an iPad. What go for it. if... So in the old ThinkPads, you had what was called the ThinkLite. So it wasn't a backlit key, what but it was a little, put like, it in the show notes. All right. It was a little light at the top of the display, like Don't where the camera that. is. Don't want that. And it would shine down on the keyboard. That's awesome. But the problem is, if you need to see the space bar, you had to close your laptop a little bit to like move the light. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe they do that on the iPad. Maybe you know that magnetic connector is pretty uh, high up on the back. It's to clip on a light. Man, <laughs> those like the, the hardware. Yeah, that's it. We good that looks. of the ThinkPad. There were so many strange things There's, that these if things I, did. If, if Apple only made software... Like the little red nubbin thing? If Apple only so made strange. software and I could run macOS on anything, I would put it on a ThinkPad. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah, Casey's dying right now not being able to be in this episode. Yep. I oh, know. Okay, so we'll do a ThinkPad episode and you can have him on. <laughs> Backlight, I mean, backlight would be awesome. I use, I know I like talk on the show a big game, but I use my iPad a lot. And I use it a lot in particular, like, I don't like bringing my laptop in for my studio because then it means, like, I've brought work into the house. But if I have, like, to do a little show prep or to do some email in the <laughs> evening, real get work done. No, real work is done on the iPad. But what, what kills me, honestly, because I'll do it in the evening. Maybe we're watching TV or maybe even, you know, my wife's gone to bed and I'm going to sit up for a little bit. The backlit keyboard, like, it's a kind of a deal breaker because I'm not a, a great touch typist. I can kind of get by, but I feel imprecise without it. It would be great. And like you said, the Logitech one has proved that it's possible. And I, I really, there's a whole other conversation here about the smart connector and, and making it more useful and more robust. And part of that would be, like, maybe the backlit thing is power and Logitech figured it out, but it'd be great. I would, I, there is this kind of, I think, a weird perception amongst like the wider tech press that the stuff from Microsoft and Google are more, you can do better work on them because they have better keyboards. It doesn't make any sense. Like, you can, the iPad is so much better than these things. Like, it's just, we, me and Federico got really upset about this a couple of weeks ago. Weird. I don't want to get into it again. But, like, the, the, the smart keyboard does a, gr- uh, does a great job. It's a good keyboard. It does a great yeah. job. Like, and I love that it's so portable. I, I, you know, one of the bad things about the bridge is, like, the 12.9 is already big and heavy. That makes it a lot bigger and a lot heavier. Like, and that is the downside of this stuff. So, honestly, like, if Apple do make something like this, which I would love, I still want the smart keyboard to exist as well. Like, I think that both mm. products would it's be like really great. Like a smart keyboard and a smart keyboard pro. Yeah, something like that, right? But, like, mm. there's a there's one that is, like, this just to cover on the case. Because, really, probably the best way for Apple to do it is, like, it would have to be pretty significant on the back as well as the front to allow for some kind of hinge yeah. to be really yeah. to be And it would really be pretty great. heavy. And it would be heavy. It, it yeah. makes the iPad a laptop. the thickness and heaviness of a laptop. And that comes with some great stuff it comes with some not great stuff so i would love to have choices i would love to have choices right like that is like <laughs> the, i would love apple to provide me with choices because this is 
and a that, wonderful computer. And that was the promise of the smart connector, and it just hasn't panned out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think we've seen, too, like, there's certain areas where Apple just can't depend on third parties, right? Like, certain peripherals, certain types of things, they, they make a standard, and it just falls on the floor to third mm-hmm. parties. Like, no one ever does anything with it. Smart connector is obviously one of those. I'm rounding down to zero. I think that's fair. Uh, there's been zero things for it, basically. There's nothing and, of any real use, honestly. Yeah, except for Apple's own keyboard. Yeah. And, and so, like, this is an area where, like, if Apple wants the useful things to exist in this category, they have to make them themselves. Maybe they just license smart connector dongles. Ooh. Plug anything into it. Think about it. I'm really confused now. Wait, so like it, the dongle goes on magnetically and you can plug anything into smart it? Smart to USB? Yeah. <laughs> well, so it would okay. be smart to USB-C, and then you need a second one for USB-C to USB-A. Yeah. And, and then, then you can plug in your keyboard. And then your SD card reader is <laughs> down and down and down. <laughs> yeah, I, I, wrapped up in this, if we had another round, I, I really think we one don't. Of, we don't. Say if we did a bring out your dead, which we're not, because again we're not. we couldn't license the technology. It's not a draft. Like a smart connector story matters because again it goes into my theme of like the iPad needs to play in the world around it, and the smart connector just hasn't done that. I like, understand the, the, the your dream point. was right. Like okay, I'm gonna, you know, have like a keyboard, like a, a musical like piano keyboard, sit my iPad in, down and play music. I'm gonna be a DJ. I sit it down to my thing. I'm gonna be whatever and just like. It, the iPad becomes like the brain of whatever hardware I have. Like that, maybe that was me just being too hopeful. USB will probably be the thing that does it. I think I understand what you're saying, but I think that the smart connector, like Google's, like Microsoft's, all it really needs to do is just be a great connection to the keyboard that well, the company makes. But is that because that's what it's become, or is that because I just don't it, think it needs to be? Well, more. it's because most of the iPads don't have it. Like most of the iPads that are out in the world that are being sold every day or that already are out there don't have this connector. So if you're point. a hardware maker trying to make like a brand new, you know, like a piano kind of keyboard, are you going to put USB on there? Or are you going to put smart connector on there? Like if you put smart connector on there, you can only work with this very expensive line of the select few iPad Pros from the last two years. Whereas if you just make it USB compatible, you can work with every iPad and every and many of like the other makers devices as well i guess a new api that allows people to interact with things that are plugged in with usb-c inside of their apps so like great. this keyboard that you want you just plug it in by usb-c and it works yeah. with some app Based that's it piano. that's how it works that's how piano is played some music beats, is made. beats me so is that it i think that's it everyone feel like uh we've expressed our happiness eventually <laughs> we will check in uh we'll check in next week i guess until then if you want to find Show notes, if you want to find what we uh, spoke about, you can find links to all this stuff at relay.fm slash connected slash 215. It's a big number. Uh, if you want to get in touch, there's an email link there. You can Also, you can find us on Twitter. You can find Mike at I-M-Y-K-E. And Mike is the host of a bunch of shows on Relay FM. So if you like Connected, there's probably something else that you would like to. Check out Upgrade. Check out these other shows. Uh, you can find me at ISMH, and I write 512pixels.net, and again, host a bunch of shows on Relay FM. And of course, you can find our guest each and every week on the Accidental Tech Podcast with John Syracuse and Casey Liss. You can find him also every week on Under the Radar with David Smith, where they talk about uh, running a small business and being a developer and something about API sometimes I don't understand. It's a good show. And once a month, he eats weird stuff with Tiffany Arment on top four. <laughs> That's basically the pitch. And you can find uh, Marco on Twitter. You all know where because we all are singing the song in our head now. 
S I. No, that's wait. That's, that's, that's the wrong different, one. That's the wrong different one. Different guy. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, so until next time, guys, say goodbye. Ciao. No, it's. <laughs> wait. You went out of order. Yeah. See you later, everyone. <laughs> Bye. Adios.